Hi, I'm Travis Foray, and this is the Returns Management Podcast by Return Logic, the show where we connect e-commerce store owners together through casual discussion and examine current myths and trends to keep you up to date on everything happening in the e-commerce world. On today's episode, we're discussing a topic that every business needs to make a decision about. What is better for growth and profit? Making returns easier for your shoppers or making returns easier for your team? My name is Travis Foray, and I'm a product marketing specialist here at Return Logic. And today, I am joined by David Gonzalez, Senior Growth Manager here at Return Logic. So without further ado, Let's get this show started. Let's start off with an interesting statistic. According to a report done by Klarna, 84% of online shoppers would say goodbye to a retailer after a bad returns experience. What does that number mean to you, David? Yeah, that's a great call out and a great stat there. Uh, One thing I want to highlight is I think there's a misconception that making returns easier for shoppers is synonymous with a good returns experience. To me, that's incomplete and only part of the picture. So what if I make initiating returns super easy for shoppers, but my customers still don't get the right item again, or they can't track their return at each stage? or it takes days to get a replacement, maybe even weeks? Or what if it costs me as much to return an item as it did to buy something due to high shipping costs? Or what if I'm getting marketed to about a product that I returned because I didn't like it? These are all experiences I've had personally, and while it was great to be able to return something easily, that was really only half the battle. Not to mention, a lot of these companies that I was shopping with that make returns super easy, they tended to encourage exchanges with some sort of credit in hopes that it would save the sale. And to some extent, that works really well. But on the other hand, now I know anytime I order, I can return an item, get additional credit for it. If I'm patient enough, I can get a discount on pretty much anything I buy and my customer lifetime value goes down. And I know the response from retailers that is gonna be, you know, you can monitor this stuff. You could even choose to blacklist me. However, When companies do that, they may inadvertently be punishing their best shoppers. So customers who buy the most, most likely return the most. And if you prevent them from making a return, you basically just lost that customer in all of their future purchases. So the impact returns have on customer lifetime value is definitely not talked about enough. Sorry, I know I went a little bit of tangent there, Travis, but what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I think that's super interesting. I think the uh, the big distinguisher here that we need to take away is that making the process of actually submitting the return easier for the shopper uh, isn't actually improving your returns process. So if you have an issue with you know the operation side of your returns process, uh, just having a really easy, really you know nice looking return policy isn't really going to help you out when it comes down to the shopper getting what they want. So we're seeing that there's actually two sides. There's the policy that the shopper is going to see, you know, maybe I get a free exchange shipping, maybe I have 120 days to return my items. And you know, 
Maybe I can even get a printerless label right on my phone to take to UPS and get my package sent. Uh, but then the other side where, you know, retailers are lacking is the operation side. So making sure that when the new product actually gets sent to the shopper, it's the correct product going out and they're not getting, you know, the wrong product for a second time. And then also getting that product to the shopper in a reasonable period of time. You know, I'm if I'm the shopper, I'm already kind of upset that my product wasn't what I wanted it to be. So if I want an exchange, you know, I'm hoping to get that shirt within, you know, a few days, a week, maybe. So, yeah, like I said, the big distinguisher here is that actually making it easier for the shopper to submit the return is really only half the picture. Exactly. But that distinction is so important. So um, I was reading this study from Pitney Bounds the other day, and they basically uh, they'd stated that returns cost retailers on average 21 percent of order value. That's an insane metric to me. And if you don't have your ops in check and your team can't effectively process returns in the back end, those margins get even worse. I don't want to sound too gloomy though, Travis. I know there are some things that people can do here. So do you want to just walk us through those? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, if you just decided you didn't want to change your returns process and you didn't want to change your operations process, and you're kind of just wondering, like, is there other ways I can retain revenue to kind of make up for some of this lost revenue on returns? You know, is that possible? And I'd say, yes, there's always things you can do to optimize your business to make it more efficient and retain revenue. I think one of the most important things you can do is improving your product descriptions. So not only is this going to help the shopper who's now going to have a better idea of what they're buying before they actually receive their product, it's going to help your operations team because less shoppers are going to be returning items that didn't meet their expectations. You know, having that great product description is going to set those expectations, including something like a sizing chart, uh, you know, really spelling out this is what this product is this is the quality of the material this is the color all of these things are going to give the shopper a great idea of what they're purchasing and it's going to set those expectations before that product even gets to them and therefore your shopper is going to be less likely to return their items you know, um, beyond just improving the product description, improving products, I mean, t you really need to take a look at some of your products and use your returns data. You know, being able to look at your returns data to see why items are being returned. For example, you know, if I have a shirt that's being returned 95% of the time because it's received damaged, I may have a quality issue there. And if that is never fixed, that item is always going to be returned and I'm always going to be losing that revenue. And then I think, you know, lastly, another great way is to upsell through the returns process. So just offering full catalog exchanges that allows the shopper to choose an item that may have been more expensive than the first item they purchased um, or even choose multiple items and therefore retain revenue that way. And having something like a call to action at the end of the returns process, something that says, you know, your return has been requested. Uh, would you like to continue shopping? So, you know, these are all great and they'll all help retain revenue. Uh, however, they, they don't really address the underlying issue, which is that, you know, with the rising cost of returns, improving all these things without improving your actual returns process, it, it just simply won't do. 
You know, you mentioned earlier, David, that retailers are paying on average 21% of the order value just for the shopper to return an item. So I think improving the actual operations and the actual returns process is going to be significantly more important than trying to retain revenue through other ways. And to see how important this can be, I think it'd be best for us to take a look at some real life examples. So David, you brought a, brought along a few examples that you wanted to mention. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm sure you might have seen the headlines recently about Zara and they're basically um, starting to charge for online returns. So it's following brands like Next, Uniqlo, and basically any return that happens online, now there's a flat fee. So two immediate questions come to mind when you hear that. First one, why did they make that choice? And the second one, what's that impact going to be? So exploring question one, why did they make that choice? At a high level, they said a big motivating factor was environmental reasons, and that's incredibly common and makes a ton of sense. However, from an operational level, they looked at their returns data, they realized with the growing volume of returns, policy abuse, fraud, rising cost of goods due to inflation, sales regression, and honestly just changes in shopper behavior, their margins were taking too big of a hit. And they had to find some sort of solution to deter this behavior. So um, they also said with these changes, more people moving forward are going to be inclined to return, saying, return things in stores because it's ultimately cheaper. So they wanted to find something that would promote that behavior. Now, the immediate reaction from a lot of analysts and others was this is going to backfire. It's going to impact customer loyalty. And that very well may be true, but I imagine someone at Zara probably concluded that it was more profitable to focus on protecting their margins instead of making returns too shopper friendly. So it's a balancing act there. I do have another example. This one's more anecdotal and um, you know it won't be in the news, but it's still super interesting. Um, and ultimately this is what the whole topic of the, the podcast really came from. So talking with a shoe company the other day and i'm not going to name drop here but such an interesting problem that they brought up they noticed that shoppers had basically discovered a loophole where they could order three pairs of shoes request a refund on all three and then only return two the warehouse team didn't know the wiser and if they did they couldn't do much about it they couldn't edit the original order so this process this problem became like a cancer in their business they introduced automation, they made things easier, but now they really introduced a problem that was just metastasizing in their business and they had no idea about it. So this process went on and on, it cut into their profits, it screwed up their inventory, screwed up accounting. Ultimately, they had to spend weeks reconciling all this. And they even had to pay somebody to come on full time to reconcile all the issues that this came from. However, once they were able to automate returns and give every team member visibility into the returns process, they were able to figure out why returns are coming back and they used that data to optimize returns processes. And that's what led to their formula for post-purchase excellency. So all in all, my consensus is that obviously making returns easy for shoppers is huge. That's table stakes. But if that's more important to you than focusing on operations and making returns easier to process on the back end, your margins will suffer and you won't be as successful. 
Every return policy and retailer is different and they have to know what to measure or what to look for in order to help them make these decisions. So like whether or not they should offer free return shipping, exactly what Zara grappled with. I don't think it's fair to tell every retailer in the world to focus on making returns as easy as possible for shoppers. It's really a balancing act. There has to be a balance to it. Merchants have to ask themselves and ultimately decide if focusing on shopper experience or merchant experience is more profitable or whatever the stage they're in as a business. That's just my two cents. Travis, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you 100%, David. I think this is a business by business case. And I think that every merchant's going to have to make their own decision. But, you know, I think the biggest takeaway is that making returns easier for the shopper doesn't mean you are improving the returns process. Now, we looked at other things that you can do to retain revenue, but ultimately, you need to improve your returns process. One, because returns are expensive. We discussed that on average, retailers are paying 21% of the order value just for a shopper to submit a return. And two, return rates are high. If you look at the average return rate for an e-commerce retailer, it's around 30%, you know, so returns aren't going anywhere. I think at the end of the day, for some retailers, it does make sense to focus on making returns as easy as possible for shoppers, specifically in verticals with easy returns operations and processes, uh, smaller businesses, apparel in particular, and also businesses that just deal with cheaper products. You know, returns are a balancing act between making sure you make the returns process as easy as possible while also making it easy for your team while also staying profitable. You know, all in all, this may be a 5149 scenario where you're really on the edge of which side you want to choose. But I think retailers must choose what's most important to them to stay profitable. So that's all we have for today. Uh, I want to give a special thanks to David for joining me on today's episode. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening. Catch another episode. Learn more at returnlogic.com and find us on YouTube. And I'll see you back here on the Returns Management Podcast.